Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. On 11.16 SEN, the award-winning crunch time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. Flair the hand pass out to Nash. Look at him. his first goal as a Tiger in the AFL. And that's when you know a team's on. Look at him come. You think they swamped him when he got given his jumper? They swamp him all over again, and Chris is in the stands, pumping his fist. Ablett pounced off to Myers. It's skidding towards goal, and it doesn't deviate. What a change in this game. The Cats have gone bang, bang, and bang again. Grabbed by Hawkins from the throw, and off to Myers for his third goal. If you don't mind. They're everywhere, the Cats. And the goals are mounting, and so is the deficit. It's out to 54 points now. Prestia took possession. Oh, he hand-passed it straight to Kelly for the simplest of goals. That's a stinker in terms of an error in defence. And what a scoreline it is at the end of Friday night football. It's Geelong with just one loss. A 67-point triumph over the Tigers. 16-8-104 to 5-7-37. What a way to head to the bye. And I'm the first to say we don't want to go back to the team we were too much because we are a, a different team. But I must say we quite like the fact that even though we didn't pound the ball inside 50 as much as we would have liked, when we did go in, we looked a lot more dangerous. And, and that's, that's the distinction that we'd prefer to make in the Geelong version in 2019. Geelong franks its position atop the AFL table with a destructive Friday night performance. 11-1 is a powerful historical marker. We'll debate what it means to this year's Cats. Quarter two and three are the ones that set us back. And, you know, they kicked 15 goals in those two quarters and then one goal for the remainder of the other, <laughs> other quarter. So, look, we got belted around the ball and then the work rate off the ball was probably the, the fact that it set us back. You know, I've got some work to do. Uh, in a few areas, but they're, they're in our control, really. We'll get to work as coaches and, and look to get a better result come, uh, come Thursday night for Adelaide. Richmond reaches tipping points. Once the effort faded, the system broke. Can the Tigers hold it together? The club met with Brendan this morning where he was informed that a change in the senior coaching position was in the best interests of the Carlton Football Club. I'm obviously disappointed, but I understand the reality of this caper. The win-loss loss threshold just got uh, got too much. There's a lot of quotes in there that I'm bewildered with, and I just don't get some of the things that he's even remotely talking about, quite frankly. I don't think that should be the focus of uh, what came out of that conversation. There's actually a lot of um, positivity and positive comment in, in what I said that um, not a lot would be aware of. We and I certainly take our share of responsibility for that. It, it, it doesn't make it any easier, and it was a really difficult situation, but in the end, there was a failure across the board, and Adam was the victim. 
and an eventful week on multiple fronts, not least for the Blues. So what's next, both today and into the future? Chief Executive Kane Little is our headline guest in the week Carlton sacked its coach. This is the round 12 edition of Crunch Time for What the H is the Deal at Honda. Seven-year warranty and roadside assistance across a great range. Search Honda offers and head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. Good morning and welcome to the global venue of the year, Marvel Stadium, which either suggests that we lack a sense of pride or we retain a healthy scepticism. But the roof is open and the sun is bright. It's particularly bright for those associated with Geelong who go to the bye at 11 and 1. And there is a lot to dissect out of last night, including how in six days' time do the Tigers front up in Adelaide before they now limp to the bye. Jared Waitley with you. Dermot Brewitt is with me. Dermot, hello. Um, yep, here you going. Uh, what an effort by the Cats. It can't be lost as well that the balance of that team, I mean, they were under heavy fire in the first quarter and they defended beautifully. So don't just look at it in in, in retrospect and say that they attacked so well after quarter time and they kicked the score. They defended against a team which was really really putting it to them in the first quarter, and they defended beautifully. 31 inside 50s in the middle two quarters for 15 goals, six. It's a fair return, isn't it? Yeah. It's unlike anything that the competition has seen. Yeah, well, uh, when the competition is actually drying up, kicking a score, uh, the Cats are finding a way. David King was really good last night. He he came upon a bit of footage and, uh, and, and displayed it to us. We, discuss that a little bit later in the day, how the cats are doing it. Only and one man flies. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, at this point in time, it's working beautifully. There's, there's a big bloke uh, out in uh, West Australia who loves to see a smallish pack in his opposition forward line, his back line, who would look at that and say, that's tailor-made for me. But can they? He's the one, I reckon, who can break that sort of attack. But at the moment, right now, I'm looking next to your head and there's a bloody monitor there and there's a bloke kicking a ball around and it's an advertisement for a bloke called Bob and then I'm looking at him on the (laughs) left as well. And I think you're better dressed on the commercial and you're in rags on that. <laughs> oh, Dermot. Hello, Bob. Hello, Jared. Hello, Dermot. Great How to be going, with, mate? Great to be with both of you. How'd uh, you come away from last night? Uh, yeah, it was a, a big, another big warning shot from the Cats, I think. And, you know, I'm not sure who the call was there last night, but just listening to the overlay of when the young boy Nash kicked the goal and he said, oh, you can tell when they're on. And that, that, <laughs> well, that they were of, for a little they bit. They were. Oh, don't worry. I, I was not pointing the finger at the call because I, I sent a text to Matthew Richardson at quarter time and I said, oh, great to see the young bloke, you know, Nash kick the goal and see Chris Nash and the great scenes. And I said, the Tigers look sharp. And then they an did hour, one thing. An hour later, didn't. They did one thing. And I was critical. I thought, and he's a tremendous player, but if I can be so bold as to say, Mitch Duncan had the worst 12-possession opening quarter of any player (laughs) that I've seen that's had a 12-possession opening quarter. His opponent, Camden McIntosh, tore them to shreds. Mm. And he only had eight. But he, I thought, was the difference between the ball being in Richmond's forward line most of the time and under pressure 
than going the other way. But then they said, at quarter time, they sent a bloke called Joel Selwood to Camden McIntosh. And, uh, yeah, he likes the contest, Selwood. And that changed, that really changed the complexion of that wing, which changed the complexion of the game. Kane Corns rounds out our crunch time team. Kane, welcome. Hello, Jared And uh, boys, uh, yeah, what a weekend of sport. I, I can't get my head around the amount of sport that's going on. Ash Barty was just taking my attention away from the footy last night with what she did. But back to the game, um, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I said Richmond right in the premiership hunt and that the five had separated themselves from the rest. That was Collingwood, West Coast, the Giants, Geelong and Richmond. But now they're right back in the pack, aren't they? Come to Adelaide next Thursday night, which is always difficult, um, and the injuries are just mounting up. And to see Caddy as their second ruckman last night, that was almost like this is this is bottom four style sort of footy that they're playing. How can you have Caddy as your second ruckman? Geelong dominant around the footy. They kicked five centre bounce goals again last night. And um, there's some massive concerns for Richmond, but I guess it's as expected with the amount of quality that's missing from their side. So there is always a tipping point where your system gets completely undermined. Is that what we saw last night? Yeah, I think so. But it's even their, their better players have just been swamped, I think, with the pressure of trying to have to, you know, do it all themselves. And I just thought their better players were poor last night as well, Jared. So they kicked the ball at 52% last night. You just can't win games of footy when you kick it like that as poorly as they did. And it was their better players. So Cochin, he went at 27% by foot last night. He was... You know, won enough contested footy and was competitive, but he was hacking it onto the boot. Presti was 31. Dustin Martin, arguably, when he's on their best kick in the midfield, well, he was just at 40%, and Caddy, 25, um, whereas all of Geelong's prime movers kicked it above 60%. So I thought even their better players really struggled last night. They had swarm numbers around the pack, and I thought in the first quarter the Tigers were able to get the ball to the outside. Yeah, somebody could do some really good work on the inside where Geelong had swarming numbers at the footy. Tigers got it to the outside and then were able to move it forward with yeah, some alacrity. And then in the second quarter, those swarming numbers, it caved in on, on Richmond and it just kept going Geelong's yeah, way. Yeah, that, that, that kicking efficiency, there were some, there were some errors, but that, that credit has to go to Geelong again there for, for being mm. able to you know, put that pressure on the ball. They are just able to... Get that when Richmond looked like breaking away after quarter time, they were just able to get a little unsettling tackle, a little push, a little, yeah, tilt the hips a little bit on the kick, and it just, yeah, yeah, just put them out a little bit, put them off their, um, off the equilibrium of a nice even kick. I thought it was, it was pretty good pressure. Came the historical marker, which was part of Channel 7's broadcast last night. Geelong's best starts to seasons. 1925, mm. 11 and 1. They went on to be premiers. 1953, 12 and 0, runners up. 2008, 11 and 1, runners up. 2009, 12 and 0, premiers. 2011, 12 and 0, premiers. And now the 2019 version, 11 and 1. And we forecast where to from here. Just call it off, Jared. Call the season off right now. It is Geelong's <laughs> premiership on those numbers. It's done. Forget it. But what they are is when you look at historical numbers like you just read out, um, you know, premiership sides are so sound defensively. So they, they're conceding just 65 points per game. But 
equally, you can't just be defence and not be able to score, as we've seen probably from some Ross Lyon coach sides that have just fallen short in the past. They average just under 100 points. So they're just perfectly balanced in the way that they're setting up um, and their system. They've had less inside 50s on six occasions this year and still won. So the, the defensive system there is whatever they're doing is just working and then, you know, the coaching, uh, th there must be something unique happening in that coach's box where uh, Chris Scott just he is coaching absolutely his best game because, as you said, they come in at quarter time under the pump, the message comes, whatever that is at quarter time, and then they just go bang and they kick seven goals plus 16 in contested possession in the second quarter and it's, it's all over. So, yeah, well, I mean, it's impossible to tip against Geelong right now. We know it's not that easy and there's a long way to go, but I hope they get rewarded with home finals at GMHBA and that, that'll be dependent on who they play. But say if they finish first and, and West Coast are fourth, I hope that first final is at GMHBA because you toil away for 23 weeks you deserve to play that game at home. I, yeah, just to take you back a, a little half step in your conversation there, Kane, it is so difficult to lead the race from round one and yep. be the pack leader and go all the way to the end of the season and win the grand final. Yeah, it, the minor premiers have a, a disastrous record across the past decade. Yeah. Who's the last one to have done it? Oh, I've got that list. I'll find it in the book because we were doing that around Richmond last mm. year. Mm. I think there's been two out of the last 12 who've been able to do that. It's very difficult to be the pack leader from, from go to woe. You have to be, I suppose, seemingly that much better than the competition, no matter what the competition throws at you, injuries and or other teams' opposition form – you still rise above it. You have to be that much. Like an Essendon in 2000, yeah. that yeah. type of better than the rest. Absolute dominance. Uh, the Cats are the best by far right now, as we see. Right now. Um, but are they that good? Mm. Uh, who knows? They might be. <laughs> that's a, that's what we'll see in the next, uh, what have they got, another 10 games to go. Yeah. So there's plenty to pick out uh, across crunch time today. Reece Stanley's going to join us from the Cats shortly. But it would be remiss not to shake our heads at the goal review so this is now three days of football <laughs> in a row yeah so saturday at the mcg sunday in perth last night is higgins shot from the boundary close to the post taylor goes back touches it beyond the line there are three possibilities in the score review one is a goal two is the umpire's call and three is a behind the only two possibilities out of that goal review last night were a goal or the umpire's call and they went with a behind. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment to the status of the game, the way this faulty, crippled system is operating. Well, what, what we're looking for when we go to the goal review is to get absolute and complete um, clarity. information and give us clarity to the result. We kind of got that, <laughs> and they didn't use it. Mm. So it, it's... Don't don't use it unless it's it's foolproof. Otherwise, it's not above the normal. Well, it's it's foolish. It being. It's not it's not only not foolproof. It's foolish. Mm. Three days of football in a row, Kane. I think it's hard to stomach, Jared, when the AFL's spending the money to go to China. What we saw last week, when this week um, they're spending six figures on a new logo, when we are still allowing this to happen. What four or five years into this review system? So, at some point. 
invest the money in what is going to potentially decide games. And, and the broadcast vision has done its job. As Derm said, you, you spot on, Derm. The, the, the Beams one was clearly, the main one was clearly touched. Sorry, Walters and Main was, was clearly touched. The broadcast showed it. Last night, you could see, clearly see it was a goal. So the broadcast is doing their job. They're providing the, the correct vision. But for whatever reason, um, the, the people aren't interpreting that vision or they're not give it, getting that vision made available to them. So how about we invest some money and train the right people to get this done, whether it's a bunker system like they have in the NFL. Um, that seems to be the way that um, it should go, I think. So we are waiting on a statement from the AFL. If for the third football day in a row it releases, uh, we got that wrong, we need to educate, that would be that will be humiliating to send that out today. Mm. And I don't see how anything else comes from them unless there's the Zapruder tape that we haven't seen that somebody else <laughs> interpreted and used along the way. Um, the Back system to the left. Yeah, it's a disaster. The last two... Minor premiers to win the flag were Hawthorne in 2013 and Geelong in 2007. So we're away on crunch time. We'll take your calls uh, at some stage on the Star 21 open line, 1-300-736-736. We'll work you into the conversation probably after Kane Little has spoken to us, the Carlton chief executive, and we can work through the week that the Blues have endured and what it looks like when they take to Marvel Stadium this afternoon. Star 21, your world, endless possibilities. Reece Stanley to join us after the break this is crunch time. Know what the H you're getting. Search Ask Honda and try the new hot grilled paninis at Subway. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning crunch time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. We've just been informed there's an emergency here at the global venue of the year and we were told to evacuate. We're we're going to resist that just for the moment. I don't know whether that's the right decision you or not. You thrill seeker, Jared. you. <laughs> We're living on the edge. You daredevil, you too. <laughs> Cats, 67-point winners over the Tigers. If we down Mike's in a hurry, at least you'll understand why. And Reese Stanley, can he could give us a monologue and just feel for us. Reese, good morning. Welcome to Crunch Time. G'day, guys. How are you? Good. Um, Put us inside the quarter-time huddle, if you would. Well, what was the tone and what was? how instructional was it? Uh, obviously needed to be a little bit instructional. Uh, it was pretty level. Um, coaches sort of went about their business uh, as we normally do and focused in on a couple of areas we needed to improve. So, um, yeah, they, they came out as, as we knew they, they would, super strong. And um, our first 10 minutes was a focus and we probably didn't live up to that and uh, had to fix it up from there. When, so when you go to that huddler, are you seeking information? Are you... Uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So as as means you want to know what sort of what the coaches are seeing around the ball, um, where the spare where the spare player is, where our spare player is, uh, how we're impacting, how they're impacting. Um, as midfielders, you want to know that uh, behind the footy, the defenders want to know how they're setting up and and, and what look they have compared to to what look the coaches are seeing. And, um, we sort of compare notes and, and, and reset from there. How quickly can you feel like you've re-established your shape in the second quarter? Oh, it's all, a, it's all a bit of a blur when you're out there. But, um, look, I, I felt we, we gathered momentum um, through that second quarter. Um, to put, a, to put a, a pinpoint on it, I couldn't tell you. But, um, yeah, we came out um, with a lot more intent, obviously, in that, in that second, second quarter. And we fixed a few things up structurally, which, uh, which helped us compete. Reese Dermott here. Congratulations on another win there. Now, Thanks, I know you, you're never going to actually uh, tip a mate in. 
But did uh, the coaching staff go to Mitch Duncan at quarter time, even though he got 12 possessions and give him a little tune-up? They took him away from his wing at quarter time as well. Oh, not to my knowledge, mate. No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't see any of that. But um, I don't know if you guys saw something different. But no, not not to my knowledge at all. Uh, he just seemed to be playing 40 metres defensive side of McIntosh, and McIntosh was much more damaging coming. I think there was even one one passage there when you were trying to cover McIntosh when the ball got squared up across the ground and McIntosh ran through crumbed the ball and kicked it to Dusty Martin in the forward pocket so that type yeah, of space a, whereas Selwood went think, to him after quarter time there, didn't I? what's that? Yeah, I, had a, I, had a, I had a shocking contest that one <laughs> I remember the one you're talking about I, I didn't see him coming and I, uh, I, I sort of uh, yeah, he, he ran. He ran straight through the footy and uh, and went straight past me. That was, uh, was a bit of a shame. But uh, yeah, look, I didn't. I didn't see too much of that. Um, that may have been the structural stuff that, that we had to fix. So um, Mitch's position would have been sort of probably directional. Uh, I didn't. I didn't see much of it when you when you're in the ruck, as they say us um, us big ruckmen. We just sort of tend to <laughs> concentrate on trying to win the, win the ball. And fair enough to say Mitch Duncan had a pretty good game after quarter time too. So, yeah, kudos to him. Uh, we had a look at the way that the Cats are playing the ball, playing the game in the forward line. And and Jared and I discussed it again. David King and I discussed it last night. Uh, and that is one man up. And there is the opportunity frequently for a third man to fly up over the pack. But that's there is a refusal, a disciplined refusal to do that. How long has that been drummed in? How long has that uh, uh, that style of play been in vogue? I think, yeah, I think that's I think that's sort of some wise heads coming together down there. I think last night the conditions uh, were slippery. Uh, it's a beautiful night, but um, but yeah, the, the dew on the ground was was definitely there. Um, so we sort of thought that you know if we've got three flying, then it's, it's <laughs> So Radigalia probably proved this wrong because he was clunking everything. But um, it was, you know, it was a bit harder to mark the footy last night. It was slippery. So um, I think that was probably part of it is, is that we were playing the conditions a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think you've got to be smart in those situations. If you've got if you've got Sav flying for the footy, you know, we don't need Tom flying for the ball and uh, and Dale flying for the ball. You know, Dale's strengths on the ground. Um, so that's what he's going to do. Can I ask the mentality of where you guys are at the moment and? and every footballer has a different view on it and within teams as well individual footballers have a different view on where the team sits do you prefer to be the front runners of the competition 11 and 1 or do you like to have a target and hunt somebody oh mate I can't answer that I've got no idea to, to speak to the team in that one but inside the club it feels it feels as though we're we're just trying to go about our business and and each week, you know, after the game, we've still got so much to improve on. Um, you know, last night, obviously, you see that first quarter, and, and that's what we spoke about after the game. We've, we've still got so much scope, we believe, as, as, as a group, um, to improve and get better, um, which I think, you know, we need to. And, and the big games, Friday night footy, G, Richmond, you know, we, we really wanted to, to come out and perform and, and put ourselves under under sort of that, um, that pressure. Uh, so I think we're... we're we're craving that uh, contest at the moment and, and, and we're enjoying it. So you won by 11 goals and you still, after the game, reviewed the first quarter? Well, we didn't review it after the game, but but it's something we probably touched on. Um, I, I don't think anyone's anyone's satisfied at all with, mm-hmm. with, with where we're at. I think we're, 
you know, we're obviously playing some good football uh, and, and we're enjoying that and, and we're enjoying, you know, a little bit of that um, week to week and, and enjoying the group. But uh, I, I think that everyone knows that, you know, the important end of the, end of the year is still to come and, and we, we want to keep improving. Reese, it's Bob here. Congratulations on another great win last night. Thank you, mate. You've played a lot of footy at two different clubs. Is this side you're playing in at the moment, is this, is this the best team you've been a part of? Uh, I was quite young um, when St Kilda were, were tasting that bit of success. They, they never sort of got the ultimate, but um, yeah, I was there uh, 09, 10, even 11, um, and, and they were playing some great footy. And um, You definitely take, take things away from a group like that. Um, they were a really solid, tight-knit group. Um, to, to come in and, and, and be a part of that for, for a bit of period of time was, was, um, was really enjoyable. I learnt a lot. Uh, I think being a little bit more mature now, I'm appreciating, you know, how hard it is to, to find a, um, I guess, a, a group um, that can that can chase that ultimate success. I suppose. Um, and yeah, it is a it is a pretty special group, and, and it's and the load's being shared so evenly across across the across the entire group as well. Uh, all 46 players on the list, so it is a it's a great place to be. Um, everyone's enjoying themselves. And, and um, yeah, we're looking forward to the, the second half of the year. You talked a little bit before about the the ruck position and uh, with a nice self-deprecating tone. I'm curious, <laughs> ha- has there been games this year where you've where you've set yourself to almost tag the opposition ruckman? Um, I think there's probably a little bit of that in it. Um, you know, obviously there's some dominant ruckmen in the league, and, and I don't think I'm going to go into a game, you know, dominating hit outs. It's probably not where I'm at. Um, you know, when you look at Grundy, Gorn, these guys are, are big, you know, they've got 10 kilos and probably on me and, and they're big, strong boys. So I just try and compete best I can with, with these guys and, um, and and try and nullify a little bit of what they do but then use my strengths to, to sort of um, catch them out as well. How much have you benefited, Reese, from the strong shell of fate that you're the first Ruckman rather than the, the changing nature of that uh, over the past couple of years? Uh, yeah, it's, it's obviously been enjoyable um, to be able to hold down a spot um, and, and, and sort of play with consistency. That's, that's been the most pleasing part because as a footballer, that, is, that, that gets frustrating when you when you're not performing and, and you don't you don't give or you sort of giving the coaches every reason to, to keep swapping that side. So um, that position, so it's, um, it has been enjoyable showing some sort of uh, consistent sort of footy finally. <laughs> Can I ask you then? Reese, on uh, you're 20, uh, 28, 29 now. 28, mate. Yeah. 28, and you're starting to get consistency into your body. Is this the best run you've you've had? Because I don't think you've played all that many back to back. What's the longest run of games you've you've strung together? No, oh, mate. I couldn't tell you. It'd be no more than probably 12 or so, I suppose. Yeah. Um, what am I now? I'm 11 years in, and I think you know, not 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 150 games. So um, yeah, I've I've sort of in and out with, yeah, like you said, soft tissue stuff. And, and your body's that, feeling so. as good now, it's the best ever? Yeah, absolutely, mate. I feel fit and strong and I've had a really good couple of pre-seasons and, uh, oh, yeah, touch wood, I feel like we've, we've figured out sort of, yeah, how to, how to make it work um, at its best and, uh, and it's a real mix of, you know, rest when I can and, and go for it when I can. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely enjoying it. Reese, did you notice the booing of Gary Abbott last night and what do you make of it? Oh mate, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's funny uh, doing a champion um, 
but uh, yeah, I guess that's that, that's part that's part of uh, part of being Gary Ablett. But um, I think the cheers were were a bit louder than the boos in the end. Um, and he came out and performed brilliantly. So keep you on him, and we'll keep enjoying him playing well. Reese, enjoy the week off, and we'll see what happens in the back half. Eleven and one is a, is a big position to build. Well done. Thanks very much, guys. Reese Stanley from the Cats with us. Uh, more dissection from that to come, and Kane Little, the Carlton Chief Executive, is going to be our guest. Uh, before we go on, let's check in with Unibet. Get footy fill-ups every week at unibet.com.au. Russell Barwick. Russ, good morning. Morning to you, Jerry. Morning to the boys. What a fabulous uh, week of uh, sport we've got lined up. Not a lot of interest in the rugby league, as you'd imagine, but in the AFL... Uh, whilst I'm busily trying to mumble my way through an introduction, Darren, I'm looking at the latest odds because I was told I had a bit more time than I do. <laughs> and so now I'm in a bit of a panic at the minute because the website won't come up. So if you just bear me, I can tell you that Ash Barty, I hope you got on board last week, $70 that you're thinking about in the French Open. Nothing like that. favourite to win the French Open, Ash Barty. Um, the odds are coming very, very shortly, but they're not coming quick enough, Jared. I'm going to have to beg your indifference and indulgence for about 30 seconds. <laughs> uh, we've got NBA on now. The Warriors 23 leading the Raptors 12. That's getting towards the end of uh, the first quarter. Are you surprised? Look, my son and all his mates love their footy, love all Australian things. They stop and down tools and all meet at one of each other's places to watch the NBA each game. This is, they, this is, this is unbelievable. This is AFL locker rooms too, Dan. Really? It's, Do they? Yep. It's 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 it sweeps the world, doesn't it? For, <laughs> we we had one year where players came to me when I was captain to try and if we could just sort of skew the schedule <laughs> we because, because the basketball game it was on. Know, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah. I think that might be a bridge too far. <laughs> we actually did that, Bob. We we changed training for the Super Bowl one year in the NFL. We brought it forward so we finished so we could watch the Super Bowl after uh, game Maybe four of we the NBA wrong. Finals. So how are you going, Russ? I'm back, Jared. No problems about me. Total professional, never ever in doubt. And um, I, I, there's another one. They used to always finish the uh, Pebble Beach uh, golf, not Pebble Beach, the one, uh, the um, the, the Masters one there in Arizona. They'd finish that early so all of the players could then uh, shoot across and watch the uh, Super Bowl. Just to digress again, um, let's get stuck into the footy. Brisbane Lions favourites to beat Carlton, dollar uh, forty-seven two seventy. The Blues. So there has been a bit of support about the Blues. Obviously, that uh, theory about getting a new coach. I don't think it'll help them this afternoon. The Gold Coast Suns, big odds to knock off North Melbourne, a dollar thirty-seven. The Kangas, Gold Coast, three ten, and the later game tonight. Well, the Crows were two dollars twenty earlier in the week. They're now a dollar ninety-seven, and consequently, you can get some good odds about GWS. There's a real big push around Adelaide as the Crows try and make a run into September. I mentioned the French Open. All the rugby leagues on the website as well as the uh, second state of origin builds up and Queensland now favourites to win the series after winning that first game. So plenty on offer. Unibet.com.au. Download the app. 
Gamble responsibly, and thanks, Jared, for all of your help, plus the others in the studio. Good on you, Russ. <laughs> Russell Barwick there. Get legendary tips on At Odds with Junior Fletch and Hammer. Watch the latest episode at unibet.com.au. We'll go to the takeouts from last night after 12, but with the evacua- evacuation called off here at Marvel Stadium, Kane Little, the Blues Chief Executive, will be our guest coming up after the break. This is crunch time. Know what the H you're getting. Search Ask Honda and try the new hot grilled paninis at Subway. On 11 11- 16 SEN, the award-winning crunch time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. This afternoon at Marvel Stadium, Carlton takes the field under David Teague after an eventful Monday when the losing just became too much. The Chief Executive Kane Little will be with us in a few moments' time. So what do we get? What do we get this afternoon? Kane, when David Teague, who he talked a terrific game yesterday, he really gave a sense of the fresh air that might have blown through the place and created a sense of optimism that I suspect has been missing for a while. Yeah, he does. Hopefully they play with some freedom. I, the only thing I would say is, is there's been a lot of talk, hasn't there, from that football club for the last, you know, certainly two, three, four years. So, you know, talk is great, and I think he's going to certainly bring a freshness and hopefully release the shackles. They can play some more exciting footy. He spoke of the fact that he wants his players to play to their strengths and, and do what they really do and bring that to the game. So hopefully that's the case, but I'll wait to see the actions rather than the words. Yeah, I'm... I, I, Listen to every time there's a new coach come in, I, I listen to it and think, now this is a bloke who's been supportive of the bloke he's just taken the job off. Can he speak the truth here right now about what he wants? Because if he does, and it's markedly different to what the players have been hearing, well, he's been perhaps not true to his own feelings. I think it's a very fine line. The end, The first public interview of a new, newly appointed caretaker coach after a sacking. It's a very difficult interview to make. And so the thing, I, I'm shocking at reading between the lines of what people say. It's just bad habit. <laughs> but I hear him say, I want us to improve. I want us to take the game on. I'm thinking, mm, are you saying that the last coach wanted to pigeonhole you in the players in a certain box and didn't want them to improve, which seems ridiculous, but that's what I hear. And weren't they taking the game on? Were they just robotic slaves to an area of their ground? Which I don't think they were. It's a very difficult line. I, I find them fascinating. The, it's the most fascinating interview you'll ever hear that coach say is the first one publicly after he gets the gig. I think you get a clear sense that, and this, I suppose this is a little bit about what you're talking about, Dermot, that, that David Teague has a different a different take on the game than Brendan Bolton. And I don't think I don't think that's not being true to himself. I think that's probably... I think it's a good thing for a coach like Brendan Bolt to have coaches underneath who have got different views on how that you you want you don't want everyone's you know having the the exact same the exact same view. I, I think uh, with Carlton today, I think if there's a situation, there's always going to be a, a reaction, isn't there, from a playing group with a, a new coach coming? I mm. think there's going to be the most obvious reaction if the previous coach was a more structured process coach and the new guy coming in is a more of a loosen the shackles, let's play with play with 
freedom and abandon. I think that's where we get a real trampoline effect. So let's find out a little bit, shall we? Kane Little is the Chief Executive of Carlton. Kane, welcome to Crunch Time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Apologies, I'm a little late. Survived the evacuation? Yeah, there was an evacuation and I've actually got my 10-year-old son here and he just said, this sounds like at home, Daddy, when you cook the toast. (laughs) (laughs) Smoke alarm. (laughs) Has there been a discernible difference around either the team or the club since the events of Monday? Yeah, there has. David Teague, uh, he's elected to take a really positive approach with the group and I sort of just got caught the end of uh, of Bob and what he was talking about then and I tend to agree with him. I, I think you'll see probably a freer style and a more a more attacking style. Um, I mean, David's got 10 or 11 weeks to um, to show his wares um, and, and we've got players who, who probably in similar positions. So um, you know, I tend to think that uh, you will see a, a, probably a more attacking shackles released a little bit and there's no point to Iggy trying to bring in a, a new layer of defensive structures with with 11 games to go. So time's of the essence now, so let's just get straight to it. D- did the club lose sight of the imperative of winning at least from time to time given the big picture view that, that Carlton took? I, I think that's a reasonable question to ask. I don't think we ever did. I think there were, there were so many reasons why... Uh, we weren't. We felt like we weren't getting the wins, and you know, in in defence of Bolts and, and and others, you can sort of only play the hand you've been dealt. And if you go back to the hand that we that we had been dealt, there were a number of reasons why we weren't performing. Now, um, you know, last year we had we had the issues of a really young list compounded with all the injuries. Um, so you're probably trying to find the forest from the trees about what, why it is you're losing. But there's so many other things going on around it. I think we got to the point this year we did want to see improvement. Um, we probably felt there were games early we should have won that we didn't. Um, and then that had sort of spun us into a bit of a cycle over the last four to six weeks where we, we probably couldn't see a way out. Should Brendan have been told earlier than last week that the win-loss equation was now imperative? No, no, I don't think so. I think as a senior coach, everyone understands the importance in wins and losses and no-one was trying harder to win games than Brendan. So um, th- there was there was no... There was no necessity or no point because he, he was doing his best. He couldn't have done any more. Um, you know, and as, as was mentioned, we did have the conversation uh, the week before um, to, to let him know that it was now getting dire with the wins and losses. And then our performance last week, and it, it's not just around the wins and losses, it's, it's that ability to kick scores that give you a chance to win games consistently, which we, we probably haven't been able to do. Did the plan fail Brendan. It was the least experienced team that he had coached out on the field on Sunday and since round six it had been getting less and less experienced. I can't believe that was the plan in the middle of year four. Yeah, I'm I'm sure three and a half years ago that wasn't the plan and we certainly didn't make the decision based on one game. But the plan that keeps getting referred to, uh, that was really a plan to go to three drafts. So there has been a lot of commentary, has the plan been successful or has it been a failure? Well, if you're prepared to say, if you're prepared to look at our 18 to 22 year olds um, and and assess the talent there, which was the plan, I'd argue if you contrasted that with any other club, our 18 to 22 year olds are as talented as anyone. So from that perspective, the plan's the plan's been a success because that's what we set out to do. Clearly, in year four, we wanted to see more development and we wanted to see more wins. So. In concert with the talent that you gather is what you have on the other arm, which is retaining experience. Did the plan cut too deep? And it is before your time at the club, but did you shed too much experience to complement the young talent that was coming in? Oh, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I think if you looked at it now and, and, and you looked at our, our age demographics in, in recent weeks, I think it would be hard to deny that, yes. And does that 
that seems a mitigating factor for Brendan. It didn't help, no. If you if Carlton cast its plan over again, would it be a different plan to the one that's been executed? Um, I think, as I said, the plan was to go to three and, and what has become four drafts and bring in the young talent. Again, you can only play the hand you dealt. And with the greatest respect, because I wasn't here, but my sense of the Carlton list at the end of 2015 was it was uh, underperforming, ageing and overpaid. So, as I said, you can only do with what you've got to work with. So there was decisions made that that had to be changed and had to be turned over. Um, And as a result, we we did go quite young. Um, But as I said, I keep pointing to that talent of 18 to 22-year-olds. Really, those third and fourth year plays, they're probably the ones we would be hoping to see more of. And you've seen glimpses of it this year you know harry uh, i think he, he might still be ranked one in 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 in, uh, in the competition for competitive uh, for, for contestant contest marks that's thank you Dermot. um yeah charlie's had a couple of really good years but probably been off the boil a little but you know saw patches again last week it's probably that consistency really in those third to fourth year plays that w- that we're missing out on what, what was the marker do you think for 2019 given you reiterated in the press conference that you were trading that first round draft pick one way or the other, either for Shield or mm. for Stocker, as mm. you ended up doing. You, you wouldn't have believed that was a one, two, three pick, would you? Uh, well, we certainly were hoping that it wasn't, and we still remain hopeful that it won't be. Um, it, it, we weren't going to trade it uh, at any cost. We offered it up for, for Dylan Shield. He thought uh, we obviously really wanted him. I think that's quite public. Uh, we then refused to trade that pick until Port, I think it was Port Adelaide had selection 18. Until that was confirmed and we knew our player was there, we refused. So had Liam been picked up, we weren't trading that pick. So it wasn't a get rid of it at all costs. Uh, you've got a recruiting team there who were really keen on a player, ranked him really highly. Um, and what, what you also need to remember is we haven't simply given that pick away. Yep. We've traded it for another first-round pick. You swapped down, yeah? We did, we did. So, But if that pick is... If it ends up being pick one, that will be galling, will it not? Um, well, it, 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 in all honesty, it would be hard for me to make that comment because we've been really happy with Liam, so let's get that bit clear. Yeah, yeah. And, we've and then, we've then we got remove a, him from that because it's unfair on him. Oh, it's very but that's unfair. that's the circumstance. No, you're right, and we are talking about a 19-year-old kid, so you're right. And and for a 19-year-old kid, he's played some good footy this yeah. year. And the only consolation to a wooden spoon is you get pick one, who everyone believes rouse a generational player. Yeah. Yeah, it will be galling to miss that, will it not? Well, again, we've got we've got a player and we've got another pick. So, you know, in all fairness, it's hard for me to answer that question for a few years um, and to to see what plays out. I mean, if if it's number one pick we give away and they win a Brownlow, uh, then yeah, it looks bad. If 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 we bring in someone at pick ten or eleven or whatever it might be, and and them and Liam go on and win a couple of premierships with Carlton, then then I'm going to say I think I think it's been a good call. You sit in on the board meetings and, and you hear the, the rest of them discuss. Is the board aware of... Are they acutely aware aware of where the list stands and just what, what it should be doing? Or are they like football supporters that can't understand why we don't win every week? No, they're not. No, they're not. They're, they're, a very, they're a very in tune board. And I think while I get the opportunity, um, I think it's pertinent to, to sort of try and understand the role of the board in governance and, and managing the business. I think the current board under Mark has done an amazing job to stabilise the off-field part of the business when there hasn't really been a halo effect of winning to support that. 
um, in years gone by, not only at Carlton but at other clubs, when the on-fields are not right, quite often you're forced to make significant cuts in the off-field because you haven't got on-field to support it. Now, we're in a position now that we can continue to double down. You know, we increased our investment in the soft cap by 1.2 million bucks last year. We can continue to increase that now. We can continue to move towards spending 100% of the cap and, in actual fact, paying some of the underspend that we've been able to secure over the last few years. Now, in 2015, I can only speak for the club I work at, but at the end of 2015, um, we wrote a $3 million loss and had to cut all that out of the operations of the business. And unfortunately, I think part of what we've seen in recent times is is, is is an effect of that underinvestment. So the board deserve a lot of credit for getting the business right. Gross revenue's up $4 million this year. We continue to invest. They understand the importance of winning, but equally they, un- they understand the importance of a strong off-field business, which is what we have been able to build, even under very difficult circumstances. So your dealings with the board, um, you'd come from Richmond and you'd spoken about that experience previously. Brendan Gale had time to do a review and find out if his coach was still the guy. Very mm. successful case study. Collingwood, again, they have time time to do a review, find out, is Buckley still the guy? Did you have the benefit of time to do a review or did the board say to you, now's the time? No, no, no. We, ever, ever since I started, the, clearly the board said when I came in because we weren't coming off great years then either. We were coming off six and seven wins. They wanted to understand how we could build a better football program. So that's been a process that I've been undertaking ever since the day I walked in. Um, and there's been a lot, a lot of change. We brought a new head of football in um, in, in August last year. Um, we went and we felt the need to do a review of our high performance, where we also felt the need to bring in some technical skills and abilities to confirm for us whether we had the right processes and the right people. As a result, we made another big change with Andrew Russell. We made changes within within the operation within the operational part of the business at the end of the year. We've been working on a review of the coaching and development program all of this year. Equally, we're working on you know recruiting and list management. Um, so that that's that's been going on all along. Some of those other examples you gave, in particular the, the Richard one, that was sort of a moment in time. Yep. Let's draw a line in sand. Let's review the whole thing. Whereas we've decided to chunk it and been continually working on that. So you knew Brendan Bolton wasn't your guy when the board said to you, we have to move. When they said that we think the wins and losses is becoming too much, I agreed with them. Kane Little, the chief executive of Carlton with us. Uh, that's the story as it is. The Blues play the Lions this afternoon. The award-winning Crunch Time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. Crunch time this afternoon from Marvel Stadium where it's clear blue sky in Melbourne and the roof is open. Carlton under David Teague to play against the Brisbane Lions. It is a match laced with intrigue. We're reflecting as well on what took place last night. The Cats by 67 points over the Tigers and all the implications tied therein. Jared Waitley, Kane Corns, Dermot Brereton and Bob Murphy. For those who have just joined us on Crunch Time, we have had the opportunity to speak with the Carlton Chief Executive Kane Little after an eventful week. They sacked Brendan Bolton and um, I don't know whether they've recast the plan, but there are at least some concessions that have been made about what's taken place in their list build. Uh, Kane, apologies, I wasn't able to get you in there as time was on the on the wing. You, you've um, you've plotted the course with Carlton as closely as anyone. What's what do you take from Kane Little's answers? Nope, we might have to re-establish Kane there. If he's talking, we're not hearing him. Um, Derm, yep. what about you? Uh, 
I'm, I, I get uneasy with mid-year sackings. I've been part of them and seen them, and they sit dreadful, dreadfully uneasy with me. Uh, I think Carlton's list is list build is strong. I think it's pretty good. I, if you're a coach looking for a team, um, I think Carlton's a very good list to get hold of because they they're very young. And the next coach coming in is going to be given some grace. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, Brendan Bolton wasn't given that grace. He's given four years. But if you graph every team, and they go in waves, you get you, know, you get the wave of the graph comes up high and rises, and then the graph comes down the bottom of the wave into the trough. Very few coaches who get a team before it gets into the absolute base of the trough and they say we need to go to the drafts we need to do this very few of them come up the other side mm. and to me that's it says it's almost the system that sacks the coach yep. not 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 purely the results i can understand people getting dismayed carlton supporters saying we believe we should have won more than we should have i didn't think they were all that far off seeing improvement I know you were different Jared last year we had yep. um, uh, not robust debate but con- a good strong debate about it I like the Bill Carlton of God I, I find it a little bit of a shame that Brendan Bolton after taking the heat and <laughs> he's put the crash helmet on for the last two three years uh, he doesn't get a chance to see it through because I think there's been games like the game against Collingwood watching the, that game in its entirety behind the goals they were flawless, Carlton. The only thing that stopped them beating this wonderful Collingwood outfit a month ago was the fact that with seven minutes to go, they were just too young to see it through. So do you think that they didn't hold the course that they said they were going to hold? Uh, in, in Yeah, that would be my main view of it. Yeah, yeah. Bob? Do, yeah, I'm just curious as to... Do we think a, do we think a different coach could have had a, could have had a different result? I kind of think of, and I've you know lived through this a couple of times, but I think of uh, Peter Road at the Bulldogs in 2003 and 2004 that it was almost the the years we had to have, and I almost think of the same thing of Carlton. I just think just with with their plan that no one could have gotten more, you know, in terms of win loss. If that was the threshold, I just think they were just years they had to endure, and they and we did the same at the Bulldogs where Peter Road, who was a, a great guy, good coach, but just couldn't, you know, the, the the group and the team just wasn't good enough. They just did, we just didn't have the players to be able you to do it. You almost make it sound like they've put a patsy in the coach. Well, that's it, it, it. Not in a deliberate fashion. I just think that's the the way the the lay of the land is and has been for Carlton these last few years. I just I sort of think mm. as far as timing goes, I think Brendan Bolt was sort of dudded. I, I'm looking at their list now and saying, how far off is Carlton from building the team they want? to run out in round one 2020 how far off is it it's not that far they probably will go to the draft whoever they draft first if they can if they can draft what's the kid they got this year um yeah i think number 18 is walsh the, walsh yeah. i don't know how that name is going <laughs> um, if they get another walsh he's playing mm. they won't get another walsh do they trade for a big name to come in they might given their druthers, they might add one player to their dream team that they want to play in round one next year. That would suggest that they are not that far off with the build. And that's where I come back to 
the coach hasn't been allowed to see it through. So this was in part Kane Little, the chief executive of Carlton for Crunchy Corn, the ultimate footy snack available at Coles. Kane Little, please. The plan failed Brendan. It was the least experienced team that he had coached out on the field on Sunday and since round six it had been getting less and less experienced. I can't believe that was the plan in the middle of year four. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure three and a half years ago that wasn't the plan and we certainly didn't make the decision based on one game. But the plan that keeps getting referred to, uh, that was really a plan to go to three drafts. So there has been a lot of commentary, has the plan been successful or has it been a failure? Well, if you're prepared to say, if you're prepared to look at our 18 to 22 year olds um, and and assess the talent there, which was the plan, I'd argue if you contrasted that with any other club, our 18 to 22 year olds are as talented as anyone. So from that perspective, the plan's the plan's been a success because that's what we set out to do. Clearly, in year four, we wanted to see more development and we wanted to see more wins. So. In concert with the talent that you gather is what you have on the other arm, which is retaining experience. Did the plan cut too deep? And it is before your time at the club, but did you shed too much experience to complement the young talent that was coming in? Oh, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I think if you looked at it now and, and, and you looked at our, our age demographics in, in recent weeks, I think it would be hard to deny that, yes. Kane Little with us on Crunch Time. Kane Corns, what did you make of it? Yeah, I would have loved to have asked about you know the role of Stephen Silvani in the list build at, at Carlton and, and potentially the casualties that may still be to come. Are they going to back in Sost with the way that they've built the list? Because you know Brendan Bolton's not the only one to blame in this. You wouldn't imagine he had too much of an, a say in the way that they've built this list. So I think there's still some um, personnel issues and reshuffling. And, and he mentioned a review into the fitness and conditioning and all sorts of aspects of the program, including the recruiting. So we'll wait and see if there's some changes to be made there. So I feel some sympathy for Brendan there, but they've just got to get a hard coach in. I think it's been um, it's been softly, softly on this playing group for, for a long time. And I understand the new generation, the way that you have to deal with players now, Bob, but all the great coaches in, in the past have had somewhat of a hard edge to them. And I just think it's been too friendly and too nice for, for too long at Carlton. And they've got away with things that most coaches wouldn't let players get away with. Who fits the bill for that then, Kane? Who, who? Well, yeah, well, I think there's... Look, I think, you know, obviously they'll, they'll ask Clarko. That won't that won't be successful. I think Ross Lyon has that, that sort of hard edge to him. Um, and then you'd have to look at the, the untried coaches. I mean, it's hard to sit from the outside when you haven't been coached by an assistant that, that are in the mix. But you would think Sam Mitchell, you know, from the way that he played and the way that he speaks and his pedigree has that ability to, to, to go there. So... It's a balance, though, isn't it? I mean, that, it, it, that yeah, was the, the, same, the same theory was uh, with Rocket going to the Gold Coast Suns that that group needed, you know, an, an older, more experienced coach yep. with, a, with a hard edge, and, and and that didn't that didn't work at all. So so it is a balance because I was at the board when Rocket came in at 2004, where it where it did work. So mm. it is it's a balance. Well, the best example I've seen is is Damien Hardwick. You know, he. For ninety percent of the time, he'll back his players in. He'll be defensive on them. Of them, they'll have a bit of fun. They'll show some personality. But did you see Sydney Stack arrive to the track late the other day? <laughs> Damien Harvey wasn't taking any of that. So that—that's the example of me, where a coach has the balance right. Um, Chris Scott, uh, most of the time, he backs his players in and and all of that. But last week, he says, "Look, I'm sick of my players 
getting reported and doing stupid things on the field. So it, it is that, um, that the fine balance that you speak of that the best coaches get right 90% of the time. Just to, to, to go over, uh, Kane, your point about Sosk has got uh, culpability here as well. I look at them and think they really, for what they want, and I may make this mention again, for what they want to run out in round one, 2020, your two key backmen, Weedering Marchbank, both desperately young, and they're getting better. Uh, Doherty comes back, Simpson's there, Liam Jones is a third tall if you need. The up forward, Kerno, McGovern. McKay, that's really well covered for two of those positions yep. if they play all three. And then your midfield, uh, I'm thinking, all right, Cripps is the leader in there. Walsh is a star in the making. Dow has A-grade talent and desperately young. Petresky Seaton has A-plus talent but is still young and still finding his feet but I think can be an A-grader and I think I think. 18 league clubs would look at Petrovsky seat and say, that boy can be an A grader. Whether he does or not, that's another thing. And they've got, uh, um, oh, Fisher can be an A grade talent the way he goes, what we've seen of him. They're pretty well covered. The only thing I would look forward at, at, at them and say, uh, can Cruiser go the distance? Mm. And then you've got someone like Murphy yeah. playing a, a, a lesser role now because of age and he's stood aside for these kids into the more pivotal roles. I think the build is pretty good. That, yeah, I mean, if, yeah, you had, if you had X amount of dolls, and I'll throw this open to you, Kane and Jared as well. If you had, uh, say, for want of a better, a million and a half dollars, would you go after the, a big, big fish or would you rather two or three solid role players? I, I'm the philosophy that a big, big fish is good if you're in a market like Sydney and you need bums on seats. You're playing a bit of theatre uh, activity as well. Um, I, I tend to think you need to find somebody on the rise who the clubs are still looking at saying, well, he's on a reasonable wage for a boy his age, but he's getting better. Um, I would go out and I would spend... OK, someone like Jordan Dawson in, in Sydney. The kids, I think he's really good, but he hasn't fully made it yet. Now, they'd probably be paying him 150 I would go and make him a four-year deal offer and offering money that Sydney can't match because of the way they're scheduled. Something like that. I would look for blokes you see in other teams are on the climb and have six, seven, eight years left of football in them. So I'd, mm. I'd be looking that way at building your list like that rather than going for the absolute grandiose yep. kingfish. Having said that, if Liam Shields went onto the market, I'd have a dip at him. Keneally would be handy in that, in that midfield as well, I reckon, Dan. But I, I, I tend to share your sentiment there. And I remember when, um, now this was some time ago now before the salary cap went through the roof, but when Phil Walsh was trying to recontract um, Danger at the time at Adelaide, he, he did say that no player is worth a million dollars. So I'm not paying any player a million dollars. Now that's gone up now because the salary cap's gone up 20%. I understand that. But the sentiment is that you can't, his sentiment was, you can't have one player taking up such a large chunk of the salary cap. And he believed that the clubs that have won premierships in the past shared the cap evenly. I mean, you can look at Geelong in the past and you can look at Hawthorne, the way that they've managed their cap. Well, Hawthorne um, lost Lance. They won a premiership yes. with Lance. Lance and goes Geelong to Sydney. Won one and then Hawthorne Ablett. win the next two. 
Yeah, and Geelong did the same with that ablet. So, um, you know, there is a theory around that, that you share your salary cap evenly. And Adelaide have done that for a long period of time. You know, it might change if they have a crack at Brody Grundy, but that's been their model for sustained success for a long, long time. What, what's your... What would you do, Bob? Oh, looking at... I think they need those middle-tier role players to, for that depth. I think they've got I think they've got enough. Who are better than middle-tier? Yes. But yeah. the only way you're yep. going to... Get them in on that way. Just get them when they're young yep. before they've reached that yep. uh, that output as a player. Yeah. Jared? No, I'm not sure. You, uh, I'm not sure. You I like the big fish, do I you? I don't really believe in the build that they've gone down. Yeah. So you and I are opposed on that front. Yeah. But maybe uh, that's why perhaps the back 11 games of this season are really significant because I can't believe a big fish would go to Carlton looking at one and nine, two and twenty, one and ten. But if if they actually do play with some freedom and in a reinvented way, they might recast themselves over the back eleven games, where uh, it's perfectly obvious that round one, twenty twenty, is is going to be the launching pad. I think uh, they'll definitely play with a freedom and an optimism, and I think they'll score f- more freely in the next month. <laughs> but it, this is so. This is the the when, professional when T- teams. The professional teams who win premierships. Love playing against teams that play with freedom. Yeah, yeah. And but so that's, that's the other half of it. So the David, t- it's his. Per- I'm not sure because his perfect scenario as a caretaker might be for a month. So he's, <laughs> the ten weeks will test how long they can does keep this, that buoyancy. Can I ask you? Does this put Johnny Barker out of the question? Hmm. I find I now I find I find that intriguing. I think it's impossible to appoint... In, in Carlton's predicament now, it's impossible to appoint the man that you overlooked, whether you've suddenly recognised that he was the right one or not. Mm. I don't see how you sell that to a membership group who have come on the long journey and are now standing on the platform waiting if the train's ever actually coming. Oh, I don't think you could sell that to them. I'm more interested in, do you think other clubs could pick out the big fish from Carlton? So in what they have amassed... Oh, you reckon they get poached? Well, why wouldn't mm. you have a go mm. at, at players who are starting to wonder, <laughs> is this train ever coming? That's that's like the... <laughs> that's not the vultures circling. Yeah, and that was in part why I acted, Jerry. Whether that's that was in part. or Charlie Curnow or whoever that is, I'll, I'll bet the smart clubs are having well, a proper t- crack on that front. Both West Australian clubs, I've heard, have been in contact with Cripps' management and d- are trying to see if he will at some stage come home. Mm. And Petrescu seen's another WA boy as well, isn't he? So he'd be he'd be there and you know there's there's the likes of Weedering. So not even the big big guys, the guys just underneath. Uh, Bob, Dale Thomas is back in. Um, mm. this is one thing that I must admit I've never ever seen in fifteen years of playing footy as a player, publicly drinking two nights before a game. The coach gets sacked and he's back in. Is that as a former captain a harsh enough penalty? I, I, no, I didn't think so. I, I, I was, Here we go. I, <laughs> we, we had this chat last week, Kane and Derm was, oh, I just had it, you know, a couple of Colonel Clinks and I was, a, I was of a different of a different view, maybe because you were different generations. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm still kind of shocked that it's only a, only one week on the sidelines. I, I would have thought it was a good opportunity, you know, to set set culture and maybe have an, in, you know, an indefinite sort of spell in the reserves. Um, because of the context of, of where the where the season and where the club's at. So, you know, I've a, a, a bit more of a hard-line view on that one than mm, Dermot. We agree. It's we agree. clean slate time, though, is obviously <laughs> yes. that's what's happened. I don't think yeah. Brendan Bolton would have played Dale Thomas, but I think the new coach comes in and goes, right, clean slate for everyone. 
away we go. I can I can understand. See, this is this is like when the king came out in the twenties and pardoned those Carlton blokes who were done for game fixing, and so they 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 oh, I'm dirty on that because they now sit above me in the most games served, and it, <laughs> it's termed as a suspension rather than a ban. I love the idea of the football pardon. <laughs> there's a, there's hours in that term. I've well, so, that the, in book. so Daisy has been pardoned. pardoned. <laughs> Can I ask? Can I ask you, Dem? So we look at it now as as past players from a safe distance. But what if what what if in your playing days you found out that Darren Pritchard two days before a game, when the club was struggling, was out? Yeah. and not just you know, it's a fair comment. Shirt. And and I, I probably although we we sort of look back in my era in the eighties and and nineties and say, oh, you blokes got a, you had a drink too. We were incredibly disciplined. We we yeah, had blokes I... who completely went off the drink for the year. Yep. Um, my own theory was I'd allow myself three times during the nine months that was pretty well football playing season, three times I'd allow yep. myself to have a drink. We'd have them all on the one long weekend if yep. we had it, but there was only three times. That was just to break the monotony and give my mind a chance to say, this is when I let my hair down. Um, we were incredibly disciplined, but there were some blokes who, like Michael Tuck, the most professional footballer of all time, Played for 426 games. Thursday night was two days before he would play on the Saturday and he would drive back to Berwick every training night and it was a two-can trip. <laughs> that was that was what relaxed his mind. If you, if you knew that that was something that made their motor run, a tick to their clock, you went with it. And so I but don't that's know different it, to what Dale Thomas did. I know, and I'm still getting cloudiness on the report here whether he had two responsible drinks of wine or whether he was having a good solid kernel clink and there were there was a bawdy atmosphere, so to speak. Um, I, I don't know what, what transpired, but I, I find him a damn good citizen. And we spoke to him on SEN um, on uh, the run home before the year, and he talked us through how he viewed playing for Carlton and how he had torn up the, the, the contract that said he could trigger the clause and, and said, no, if you want me, you, you play. He, he just seems like a really good footballing citizen. So, yeah, I, I, I'm more on the lenient side, yeah. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 to join us on Crunch Time. The Star 21 open line, your world, endless possibilities. one three hundred star 21 to have your say on the Blues and really on what you're looking for this afternoon as these afternoons are vexed. If you come out and play with freedom vexed. and win, you go, really? But it beats the hell out of the old. Last time I heard the word vexed use, it was in the movie Braveheart. And the, the Empress said, I'm terribly vexed. I'm terribly vexed. <laughs> no, than out. I'm terribly vexed. That's the uh, the takeouts for crunchy corn. Corn from the cob, roasted to perfection and lightly salted, the ultimate footy snack. As we steer into some of the other issues from the week, Kane, in your neck of the woods, uh, the Crows selection is a spectacle every week. And it was no less of a spectacle on Thursday night when Bryce Gibbs um, plays one week, misses the next, and then Hugh Greenwood surprisingly joined him on the sidelines as well. How are to we interpret what is going on at the Crows? Yeah, well, if you look at the, the timeline of Bryce Gibbs, I know you've done it a lot with Robbo on, on 360, Jared, but uh, he didn't play last weekend. Don, Sorry, the weekend before, Don Pike said that he's trained himself into the side because the Sample side didn't have a game. And 
The thing that I'm really disappointed with for Bryce is the message that it sends to him and the club. So if you look at the game in context, Melbourne dominant for most of it. Clayton Oliver has 16. He's dominating the second quarter. 16 possessions in a quarter Clayton Oliver had. So at halftime, Don Pike says, well, what are we going to do with Clayton Oliver? Who's going to stop him? Bryce Gibbs puts his hand up, keeps him to two in the third quarter. Adelaide get back in control of the game and actually somehow pull off a miraculous win and, and Bryce Gibbs did an outstanding job, put his hand up for a role that Adelaide don't have someone to play that. The next week he's out. Uh, so that th- this is the thing that I struggle with, that the way to reward a team-first, disciplined performance from Bryce Gibbs, he sacrificed his game, big influence on why Adelaide win, you drop him. Now they're playing GWS, who have got Canelio. He's fresh off 36, three goals and 15 score involvements. you got Kelly in that midfield at the Giants as well. And Bryce Gibbs is out, so I, I don't know. I know, I know. There's talk about you know stuff happening off the field, but if he's good enough to be picked five days ago and he performs like he did, then why is he not in this week? So it's more the message. Statistically, Canelio played the best game of footy yep. that we've seen this year. Statistically speaking, yep. the way he used the ball, his output, and how many times. Uh, so you would think there'd be a role for that. I'm staggered at, at that. But Hugh Greenwood, tell us about him, Kane. He he seems to have spent a lot of time right in the teeth of goal, deep in the forward mm. line. Whereas I think I've seen him as a midfielder, and he's so strong at the footy at the at the stoppage. Is he unable to run the lines now, or is he unable to cover the ground where he hasn't been given that role, and they think somebody else is better close to goal? Yeah, so, Dan, this this one I can understand a little bit more. So, on the surface of it, he's a quality player. He's been left out. So, the Crows fans, he's one of their favourites, up in arms. But you got Matt Crouch coming back in, and you got Brad Crouch in the midfield, and Cam Ellis-Yolman's been in great form. So, there's three genuine inside midfielders that don't have much outside leg speed or an engine to be able to spread from stoppage. You throw Greenwood into that mix, up against the Giants, who have the most powerful midfield in the competition and can spread. So I can understand why Greenwood's been left out. That won't stop other clubs coming for him, though, because he's out of contract. He spoke during the week that he wants to stay at Adelaide and he he was hoping for a contract extension by now. So there'll be some really interesting Greenwood. I'm not as hot on that one, but I am am disappointed for, for Gibbs and the message that it sends. Do you think Gibbs will be playing for the Crows next year, Kane? Well, the the only uh, I know Terry Wallace spoke about it on SEN during the week. The the only possibility is if he went to Port Adelaide. He's come home for family reasons, Jared. After spending you know twelve years in Victoria, he's come home to be closer to his family, and, and his wife was keen to come home. So I can't imagine two years into a four year contract he gets up and leaves. But there'll be there'll be talk about it. Is Port Adelaide a fit? Can he go there? I don't know if that's the right fit. But um, I I think he's at Adelaide again next year, and he might be playing Sample Footy again. Yeah, well, wow. that's a big call for him, is, is, and every person faces these choices in life around profession. He seems the type, Jared, who would take, yeah, who'd take a cut to play league footy. Yeah, but, I mean, his reality in playing is the messaging Adelaide, Adelaide is really clear is he only plays if they've got injuries now. He's not mm. in their best 22, and that's been stated as, as categoric, is... To play any meaningful footy, he's going to have to uproot his life from South Australia. Mm. So you have to and balance it, yeah. profession with, and that's not for us to do. But that, that's going to be the that that's a cold reality to be facing. And how they got it so so right? I mean, they were desperate Adelaide to get him over a two-year period at the trade table. Um, they didn't successfully do it the first time. You know, they held on to him, Carlton, and then they eventually traded him for two first-round draft picks. You pay him a significant wage at the age of 28 and a four-year contract. So. 
completely got it wrong and have changed their tune within 12 months. Terrific, Kane. We'll chat to you next week. Thanks, guys. See the 40 Winks Serious About Sleep ladder update. Save up to 50% at the 40 Winks stock take sale. They took a hit, the Tigers, last night. They're 7-5. and five. Their percentage has fallen to 94.5. They've got the Crows next on Thursday night. The Cats are at 151%. They're 11-1, and one, and they do sit atop the table. Get an extra 10% off at the massive 40 Winks stock take sale. We'll have more on Crunch Time. We'll get into the crunch. All the issues of a very lively week, both on and off the field after the break. The award-winning Crunch Time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. The weekend footy was a lively one from the Hall of Fame and it's rather bitter aftermath to last night's apology from the league to Adam Goods over the handling of of a three-year period that saw Goods leave the game. This is the crunch for Scooty. Make your trip exciting. Scooty two-wheeled taxis. Jared Waitley, Dermot Burton, Bob Murphy, and uh, perhaps your calls along the way as well. 1-300-736-736. Bob, last night at the Sydney Film Festival, the final quarter premiered. They premiered to a standing ovation, evidently. Uh, in the audience were officials from the AFL. The Sydney Swans had a huge presence, including all the current players by the, by the sounds of things who have spoken in their own ways, either um, verbally as they were leaving or on social media in the aftermath. Late yesterday, the AFL released a statement on behalf of the league, the 18 clubs, its members, administrators, staff and players, which in part read, we apologise unreservedly for our failures during this period, failure to call out racism and not stand up for one of our own, let down all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander players past and present and we urge all Australians and in particular our supporters and fans to see these films with open hearts and open minds and learn from the experience and leadership of Adam Goods just as we are. We are unified on this and never want to see the mistakes of the past repeated. How did you interpret what took place yesterday? Um, well we talked about it last week didn't we and, I, and I'm, I'm still intrigued about whether attitudes will change as a result of this so that the the next conversation whether it will be any different so i i'm curious as to you know this is this is a big a big card to fall that the afl have put their hand up and said that they and and i think gill even himself saying that he if he had his time over again would do things differently so that's already a significant change whether that translate into into the general population i'm not too sure I can't help but be curious as to how Adam Goods would feel about that, having had shouldered so much at that time on on one man's shoulders, to to now, you know, to for the AFL to say that they didn't do enough to support him. Um, you know, he could, he could feel rightly sort of let down, I imagine. I feel like that's the most significant statement I've seen come from league headquarters in my time covering the game. It, it should have been said. It should have been said by either the chairman or the chief executive, and I worry about the timing of it. As Friday afternoon is colloquially dumping when, the trash, taking when you out say the trash, it should have been said. Who yep. uh, who made that statement, and where was it? So it was a published broadcast. statement that, that was sent via okay. email and and posted, but the words aren't owned by somebody. And I think in a moment like this, when you're Must making be the such a big, this is this is a statement in the history of the game is is either the chairman or the chief executive should say the words because it's it matters. The, saying the words matters, I think, as opposed to 
publishing them and putting them out there late on a Friday. Yeah, I would agree with you on that stance. If you want to give it cut through, somebody has to own that statement, and it should be the number one person associated with the brand of the AFL. Yes. I'm uncomfortable with other aspects of it, but somebody needs to own that statement. So, yes, how Adam accepts that will be uh, will be intriguing and as the film gets or the two films get uh, a broader air in the Australian Dream the second of them from Stan Grant uh, is going to be part of the Melbourne Film Festival so that's next month will they go free to air uh, I believe there's the ambition for the final quarter to be free to air yep uh, and then it'll be handed over to schools to do with as they will um, Derm the, the Hall of Fame we spoke off air about the Hall of Fame, and you said it's the one night where everyone puts their their armour down, puts yeah. their shields down. And, and then, what do you know, in the <laughs> aftermath of this year, the the Buckley Malthouse skirmish um, refreshed, and I'm obviously yeah. not. Uh, that's it's happened on my watch. What what what, what have you made of it? Oh, look, I, the comment we had for the for the listeners, Jared and I were talking, and I I said why I believe it's the best night of the year. No one is in competition with anyone else. Everybody applauds and and lords the feats, the efforts, the, the, the deeds of the person who's being honoured. And we're all in concert in saying, how good was that person? How good was that player, that coach? And we all do that. But And then, lo and behold, Mick comes up and, and we have a, a mini eruption on the football landscape. The one thing I'd say about Mick Malthouse is... And I'll go back to 1984. Alan, Alan Jeans was our coach. And we had pasted up Footscray quite regularly. And Alan Jeans said to us before the game when we were playing Footscray, he said, I'm telling you, don't take them easy. Don't take them easy today. The lad over there that's coaching them, I coached him. And this lad is a street dog fighter. And he'll get them playing the same way. He's a street fighter. And that was about his demeanour and the way he approached football. You know what you've got with Mick, and I admire him to the hills and back. And what's made him great is that he is a dogged street fighter. He will be in any scrap. And unfortunately, well, unfortunately, fortunately... He's never going to let a street fight down. He's never going to leave it alone. That street fight will go on forever with Mick. So what's made him great is is the essence of what he is. He was never going to let anything go with those that he felt had crossed him during his journey. And even on the night, that was still going to be raised. The cameras were on bucks and, and and ed and whatever and and when it come to mix describing his journey and then he said oh and then the collingwood thing and he glossed over 12 glorious years but that's mick he's a street fighter we know what we've got are, are you really surprised i love him i think he's fantastic but just know what you've got if you employ a um a dog to bark and bite at everybody who comes your way. When you decide you're not going to feed him anymore, don't think he's not going to turn around and bite you. That's, that's what he did. <laughs> so oh, I cannot say I love Mick Mould House any more than I do. 
but it made for good theatre. It made for us on the outside getting a little bit of a giggle and a laugh, saying, well, that's his battle. Good luck to him. We've got something to talk about. I, th- I think he's fantastic. And, on the other hand, I consider Nathan Buckley a friend. I reckon he's fantastic too and coaches very well. So I sat back and, and really enjoyed <laughs> really enjoyed the little spat between the two. It is a fascinating um, relationship's no longer the right word. It, it, they are a fascinating pair and their shared history. Yeah, they are. They've, well, they've 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 got such a public shared history now. And you know, first of all, well done to Mick Malthouse for being inducted. I'm surprised it took that long. Yeah, I, I assumed as well that he was already in. But the the fact that there's tension between Bucks and and Mick. I had expected, assumed it was blind. Freddie could have told you that there was there was tension between the two. Yes, it's it's blown up, and 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 yes, it's news, and it's been covered this week. It's almost to the point now. Okay, everyone's said their piece. We're all in the clear now of exactly where it kind of sits. So now it's the only next chapter for it is. Well, do they just have to sit down and have a coffee, or is that just beyond that? And is there any chance of that? Probably not. It's Want to like be a very bloody good coffee. <laughs> It just seems like okay. Well, that's that's where they all stand. It's like this is this, this is the AFL. You know the football what? is the jungle, yeah. and every and everyone gets yeah. into a scrap at some stage. Not yeah. everything can be resolved. No. Correct. You know what? You say, can they sit down and have a coffee? And that's the normal go-to emotion that we think should happen. Some people are allowed to not like others. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, it's not hurting anyone. It doesn't. It just yeah. doesn't seem that ambiguous, does it? It's like no, they just. They just don't get on. So dogs that's and okay. cats, they just, yeah. Yeah, sometimes they just don't like each other and that's the way the world is. And yep. Let's accept it and all move on. So you're welcomed to your guild amongst others, Ken Hunter, Trevor Barker, Brad Hardy. Yep. Did they make you smile? Oh, I love Trevor. Trevor was one of my very, very good friends. Um, oh, there's probably given up a bit too much of the trade secrets. Um, when I was a young man just making my way on the footy scene, sort of a new kid on the block who could do reasonably well, uh, even though he was on another team, um, saw him out in a couple of nightclubs and Trevor Barker sort of took me under his wing <laughs> and had a lot of good times with Trevor. And, uh, God, there's a movie in that. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was an extraordinary character. I will say he he's probably... How, how do you put this? He's probably the best ladies' man who's ever played league football. How's that go? <laughs> I can't think of anybody more. Was that taken suited. into consideration of his induction, or was it? <laughs> <laughs> he was. Probably but not. you know what? And, and I can remember being, and I was wrapped. Was he an extrovert as a character? No, was he? no, he was. He was a happy. Go lucky, find the laugh in it. He was your typical football club humour, but a nice guy. There was no malice in him. He could find the humour in somebody else's uh, um, unfortunate circumstance. Somebody trips over flat on their face. He could get a laugh out of it and have a bit of fun with it. But then he'd help them up. Yeah, he was one of those types of guys who could, who would really. Oh, he won. St Kilda were as broke as could be. Yep. And he won the, the car for the mark of the year. He donated it to the club and they, I think, auctioned it or raffled it. He was that type of bloke. He was just a wonderful soul and a damn fine player. You've got to remember, Bob, you and I were talking about our playing weights. I think you said your heaviest ever playing was 82 kilos. About that. Yep. That would have been Trevor's. In fact, he might have been 82 kilos maybe once in his career. And he played full back 
in an era where it was stand and deliver in the goal square. Yeah. And he would jump on people's heads and Pete St Kilda weren't going gonna to win two, three games a year. But the St Kilda faithful turned up to see what Trevor could do on the weekend. He glued that that mass together for yep. years in the late, late 70s. He was – I was – to answer your question, I've gone by the park to answer it. I was so wrapped for the Barker family, the Barker name, and my, my dear departed friend, Trevor Barker. Beautiful term. This is The Crunch, the quickest way to leave the MCG. Scooty, your two-wheeled taxi. Download the app today. No change to the teams this afternoon. Carlton and the Brisbane Lions here at Marvel Stadium. Go behind the stories with Damien Barrett in his new podcast, In the Game, every Thursday. More with Derm and Bob after the break. On 11.16 SEN, the award-winning crunch time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. Full of good chatter in the box ahead of... Saturday of round 12, not just this, but the remainder of the weekend as well. Dermot Burton alongside Bob Murphy. Robert. Robert That's Murphy. right, Robert Murphy. What's oh. your middle name, Robert? Daniel. Robert D- R.D. Murphy. R.D. That sounds like a woodworking business, doesn't it? <laughs> Let's go down on R.D. Murphy. R.D. Murphy. Sorry, Jared, you were talking about this today. Yeah. We've spent a lot of time on Carlton, and quite rightly, but for the Brisbane Lions, who keep their nose in this race for the top six, particularly with Richmond's stumble last night, is this is this is a big moment. Like, this is a huge test expected of maturity. Win. Yep, expected They're win, aren't they? notoriously slow starters, about to hit a team that gets the invigoration on the change of coach. This is a big test for them this afternoon. Oh, no doubt. They're, they're beautifully balanced, though. I, I watched them uh, last week against the Hawks and just felt that they were going to come at some stage. Even though they were five down, I just felt it was a shaky five-goal lead for the Hawks and they just seemed so well balanced across the field that they were going to eat into that target. I didn't expect them to do it so comfortably but there's a maturity in this team now, the Brisbane Lions. Their maturity will be tested early today, I think, because they're favourites, they're away from home and and we don't know what Carlton... Hard to, you know, in the opposition analysis in the meeting... This sort of week, they might get a completely different side. Lockie, Lockie Neal's been enormous for this club. The maturity of him yep. in the middle of the ground. When your team's starting to get a little bit rocky, when you can bank on a bloke getting it 30 times, using it well, but contested, he's going to win 12 to 16 contested possessions out of his 30-plus each week. That's a, that's a backbone which you can bank on in the middle of the they're, ground. They're great players to have as you're walking up the race. Yeah, you you know what yeah, you're you gonna know, get. That makes it just it just makes guys feel more confident when you get a lock in here. He just he just he just gets to the line every Wouldn't, week. It'd be really interesting. And for, for, for local footballers out there, think about when you're doing one on one training and the coach rolls it out in front of you. And you go and you, you might be say like locking near five foot nine and reasonably strong build. And he rolls it out in front of you and the Ruckman, who's six foot four and a half, because that's what Patrick Cripps is. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Lockie Neal has to contend with. So it'll be an interesting battle because Neal is, is almost like the, the boxer who'll get in and under, lower in. Cripps is the big, powerful beast who will get low himself, but he's just so strong over the footy. It'll be an interesting battle. It'll be nice mm. to see them go head to head for the same ball. How does Chris Fagan approach today? Does he put them on red alert for what's coming? I think so. I think, but but focus 
internally. I think because you, you, you can't control what 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 version of Carlton you get today. They might play, they might be playing a complete different style than what they have for the first the first 11 weeks. So okay, well you can you can hypothesise around what the, the psychology around all that, or you can just go, you know what 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 we've done, what we've built these last two years and this season has been good enough to get us fifth on the ladder. Let's let's give them our absolute best. You make a good point there too, Bob. In a lot of clubs. Like, if you're coached by an Alistair Clarkson, he'll put up on the board how you are going to hunt down the opposition and then incorporate your strengths to capitalise on that hunt. When you're hunting Carlton, what do you hunt? Mm. They don't really have a visible game style that's... You'd say, this is getting the job done. So you don't know what you're getting and you don't know how you're going to hunt it. I think the one thing, if David Teague is true to his word, if they're going to take the game on, and that means they probably go through the middle of the ground. So my message to the Lions would be, bake them, bake them. When they go in the middle, absolutely capitalise on it and get it back off them. The statement is in on the score review. I haven't haven't read it in advance. (laughs) We'll all experience this together. We should have some sort, there should be a drum roll or something for this, shouldn't there? The AFL advises the score review following a Jack Higgins shot for goal in the second quarter of the round 12 match between Richmond and the Geelong Cats at the MCG has been assessed. Oh, I feel myself getting tense. (laughs) The available vision showed there was clear and sufficient evidence to overturn the umpire's call of a behind to a goal. However, the score review official did not review this particular piece of vision. Dun, dun, dun! (laughs) AFL General Manager Football Operations Steve Hocking. The score review system was introduced to correct obvious scoring errors. In the last fortnight, there have been significant errors made during score reviews that have undermined the confidence of our clubs and the football public in the system. The AFL acknowledges that our players, our clubs and our fans are incredibly frustrated by each mistake and we take full responsibility for them. We are committed to ensuring we have the best process and technology available and over the last few months have been examining all possible alternatives to improve the score review system. We will keep the football public fully informed as we explore avenues to improve the system, such as the potential for a centralised officiating facility covering all venues and matches. In the interim, we will continue to engage our score review officials broadcast and technology partners in ensuring the current system operates as effectively as possible. File that one under cock up. (laughs) It's the first time I've heard you ever get a little risque and bordering on profanity there, Jared. Sorry for the little giggle. Oh, help us. Cock up, eh? So didn't use the full artillery. Yeah, so... Is there an explanation why he didn't? What were you looking at? <laughs> While the rest of us were all looking at the vision that showed mm. the ball through for a goal, what were you looking at? And could, how did you push the behind button? Could he just... You know what would seem a really good advanced piece of technology for him? Just give him the broadcast <laughs> camera angle in the box there. Not just the ones he's seen, the review ones. Just, just put Channel 7... Channel 7 does it on yeah. Friday. Put Channel 7 camera up, you know, um, uh, TV in his... In his review box. Three times in three football no, days. It's too much. It's embarrassing. Yep. You can't be having that. Can't be having that. No. So the, the, the feeble system will continue, although at least there's an acknowledgement that's completely hopeless. 
<laughs> while they search for something better. And they'll have to front up with something better in 2020 because pretending and wishing and hoping and thinking and praying is not improving the system. Put it this way, Jared. Three for the year would warrant a review for a different system next year. You've got three and three, three outings in a row there. I told you about the NFL football system, didn't I, where they have the review... And I was with an NFL coach once, and the and the CEO stuck his head in because their reviews are sponsored at the ground. And it was a home game coming up, and the and the CEO stuck his head into the coach and said, "Hey, Bob, we haven't had an on-ground review for a few weeks. Can you put one in this weekend to keep the sponsors <laughs> happy?" <laughs> and up comes, you know, brought to you by yep. AFL Record, the official review. <laughs> so that was a sponsorship deal. And that has Ching, actual Ching. implications because if you uh, you're time, time out, out yeah. you, you use one when you review. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, he probably thought they were going to win comfortably, and they lost that game. Yeah. Hey, the Raptors are making a mess of the Warriors now. Late in the third quarter, they've got an 11-point lead and staring wow. down a 3-1 series lead. If and both games in Oakland if they're able to seal the deal. Wow. That's taking a turn. Great, great um, emblem, isn't it? The Raptors. Raptors. Yeah, it's a great emblem. Some of the great uh, emblems you get, yeah, club emblems you get like that in America. I always wondered what the jazz was, what the jazz would look like. <laughs> just Was it just notes yeah, on a piece of paper? Yeah, so, but they've got some wonderful a, team it's emblems. It's a feeling, Dan. It's a feeling. <laughs> like the blues. Anything's, anything's possible with jazz. <laughs> the blues. Anything's correct with jazz. <laughs> Blues or Lions? A Lions. Okay, Bob, yep. you're on the call, so you can keep your powder dry. Okay. The Suns and the Kangaroos. So there aren't a whole heap of winnable games for the Suns. This is one. Absolutely. Tough game for North Melbourne. If they, but if they are made of what they've shown in the last two weeks, they win this one. Yeah, I think they win this one. If, uh, if they're able to keep going. Although I do think, Bob, it is a serious danger game for them because the Suns will restrict... Any scoring potential that uh, North Melbourne have, and I would think they'll do a play uh, uh, Big Ben Brown okay. Mm, yeah, I just think Gold Coast have been solid this year. They were really poor last week, so I'd expect them to respond. So yeah. I think yeah, they have each time they've been poor. Yeah. yeah. And Crows or Giants tonight? Uh, at home, it helps. The Crows, but the Giants are right up the top of the I ladder the for a reason. I think the Giants easily. All right. So don't forget to grab your AFL record easily. this weekend when you're heading to the Round 12 game. Still just $5. Thanks for Karcher, the official 2019 partner of the AFL record. That's been crunch time for this Saturday. Know what the H you're getting. Search Ask Honda and try the new hot grilled paninis at Subway. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.